Good morning. How's everybody doing? You know, sometimes in worship, when we're on a Sunday morning, it's no different than our personal prayer time. I mean, you come in sometimes in prayer and you're like, God is in the room. And you're just like, dude, I, I'm right here. And then there's sometimes where you walk in and you're like, I don't feel anything. And the old timers used to say, "What they got a Terry, right? What that was was that the word? I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't look at my in-laws. I don't mean to be rude, but uh, uh, that was the old word, Terry. You know, Terry till he shows up. Sometimes you got to push through. You got to push through in prayer. There is moments where I walk in and I'm just like, I'll be praying. I'm like, I don't really feel like doing a lot of praying, and uh, uh, I just got to push through. So many times we give up because we don't feel anything when God's saying, all I wanted you to do is seek me, and there was something on the other side of that, There's something on the other side of that breakthrough. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, he's, I was going to say, who's playing? Caroline's not playing. <laughs> thank you, Grace. You're awesome. That's good. Hey, I don't know if you uh, got a chance to walk out and see our new concrete area. It looks really nice over there, Pavilion. That's phase two of really what we want to do is turn that whole area into a community park type of area. And uh, we do need some help, some picnic tables. We got anybody who knows how to make a picnic table? Uh, okay, Santa Claus knows how to make one. Uh, <laughs> Gary. And... Uh, so we got, if, if you could maybe talk to me, because we'll, we'll pay for it. We just don't, you know, you go online and you don't know what they look like and they look flimsy. And, and so we want to make some good, strong ones. Those other ones need to go in the trash and uh, they have served their purpose. Uh, I, one other thing, uh, I want to just uh, recognize somebody here, Bob Bethke. If Bob, could you stand up real quick? Bob. Everybody who's clapping for Bob knows who Bob is. Bob was the first full-time pastor of this church, 27 years, right? 2006, he, he, he was uh, left here and resigned, I guess retired, huh? And uh, kind of, kind of. And Bob, we're in this building because of Bob's vision. LCA is because of Bob's vision. And so we need to just honor him and... Uh, I was telling him, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, every one of those guys went, took the vision and the promise a little further. And so just thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, it's, it's great to see the church here still going after Jesus. And uh, so thank you. We had a chance to hang out for a little bit. We've talked before, but all right, we're, we're in a series of alignment and... Worship went a little late, so I'm going to go a little bit faster because I want to get to Shauna here. She's going to help us. But I want to talk about a few things when it comes to alignment in um, our design for us. That's what we're really talking about, God's design for us in all areas. And uh, that if for you're new for us, that's, uh, that's one of the prophetic words that was over this year. This year is going to be a year of alignment. And uh, just, you know, I just want to mention, too, if you don't see Sarah... We haven't had the baby yet. I'm not up here preaching while she's in the hospital, okay? Uh, I think she's just, she's like, I'm, I don't got nothing left. And I uh, said, so you stay home and watch online. So um, anyway, uh, we're, we're, believing, we're believing pretty quick because I don't know how she's going to make it too much longer. She's pretty, pretty worn out. But uh, anyway, this is a word over, over our year, uh, year of alignment. And um, 
We've been talking about all kinds of areas of alignment, right? Alignment in our heart, alignment of our emotions, alignment in our body with, with the Sabbath rest. Today we're going to talk about alignment with God in our purpose and uh, for your life. And remember, alignment is when something is in the correct order or the correct position. Uh, out of alignment means something's out of the correct order, out of the correct position. And we also said uh, alignment is not about balance, but about... I want a big... I need something bigger than that. Come on. Alignment isn't about a balance, but about order. Yeah, that's really important that we understand that. Because if we think about it in the, in the term of balance, balance means we are trying, everything has equal value and everything has equal attention. We know that's impossible to really do that. We can't really live that way. Something is always vying for our attention. But if we do one thing with alignment and we put God, we seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, everything else will be added to us. It's the only thing in our life that when we make him first, everything else gets attention and gets worked out. Anytime you make something else more important, if you make your kids important, something else is more important than your marriage, more important than your relationship with God, you're going to have problems. If you make your career more important, your marriage, whatever it is, whatever you make more important, unless it's God, that's the only thing that's going to actually make your life function well. And so... uh, uh, so today we're talking about getting in alignment with our calling and our purpose. This is a pretty big subject. I doubt we'll be able to h- cover it in the next two or three hours. But um, <laughs> sorry, that's that's an old pastor joke. I, I just I couldn't help myself. Um, but uh, it's a big subject. But uh, we need to t- talk about a couple things first. Um, number one, everyone who has ever lived or ever will has a God-given purpose. Okay. There are people who have more influence than others, but there is no one more significant than another person in the world. In the kingdom of God, there is nobody more significant. There are people that have more influence, but nobody, nobody in this room is more significant than somebody else. We have to remember that. And if you are believing, which I've heard people say this, I don't have any gifts, I don't have anything to give, I'm not really special, I'm not up there singing up there, I don't, I don't have any way to contribute. I just want to rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Don't believe that lie. And I've heard people say, I just don't think I have much to give. You know, I'm just kind of behind the scenes kind of thing. Well, some are behind the scenes, but you have something to give. And I just want to speak the truth of God's word over you. Psalm 139. I read, I, you know, I have these verses that I just feel like I read them all the time. You know, it's just, just constantly have a purpose here. So David's talking. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Think about that. We are God's workmanship. That's pretty neat. We're his design. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Little JJ's right now. He, he knows what's going on with the JJ. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Now listen to this. If we don't get this, we will worry about life a lot. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God doesn't even look at time the way we look at time. He's already seen the end. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Man, that's how much God loves you and has a purpose for you. 
And let me just say, here's your first calling. Let me just tell you, everybody has one calling that I can tell you right now. Everybody has one purpose, and that's to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is your first calling, to be a follower of Christ. Without that step, you really can't fulfill the full amount of why you're here on this earth. Because there's a whole side of your life that you have yet to see, the kingdom of God side. You can't see it. Remember, John 3 says, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. First Timothy says this, this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires every person to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is his will. It is everybody's purpose. You can do a lot on this earth, and there are people who do a lot of good things on this earth. You can help a lot of good people. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're not fulfilling your full purpose here on the earth. You just can't. There's a piece of it you just can't see. It's like it's hidden from you, right? And once you're brought into the kingdom of God, let me just tell you something. When you're brought in by the blood of the Jesus you have a new identity. We just talked about it. as a child of God. You are an heir. You have the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And you get new marching orders. You're now in the army of God. You're a child of God and you're in the army of God. You're not a slave to the, to the sin. You're not a slave to this world. You're not a slave when it comes to purpose. You're not a slave to what anybody else tells you you should be. All you do is follow him. I'm telling you, that, is, that was life-giving for me when I, when I began to understand what is success in life. Success is not how much I gain or how big a church or how much I make. Success is obedience. I mean, which, who's got more success? You've heard me say this. Who's got more success, the missionary in Africa that's seen a million souls come to the Lord or the missionary in Afghanistan that's seen one person come to the Lord? Who's more successful? Yes, they both are. Because they're doing what God's called you to. And when you begin to understand your lane of what God's called you to, there are people that God gives more influence, but there's nobody more significant. And maybe God just needed that person. Maybe that person in Africa wouldn't work too well in Muslim country. And God says, I got one person, and they just need to be saved, or they need to share the gospel and the truth. So we now have a new purpose, right? When we get saved, seek first the kingdom of God. That's our most important thing. Um, but I want to just share something with you that I think I've shared this before, but it really came out of Clay's, my father-in-law's book, that just this whole idea of not only a purpose on this earth, but an eternal per- purpose. We have an eternal purpose. Listen to this, Revelation 22, last book of the Bible. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. He's talking about the, um, the new heavens and the, the new earth. His servants, that's us, believers, will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. Man, that's a big deal. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. What about this, 1 Corinthians 6? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? You read that before? We're going to judge the world. I don't know what that means completely, but and, and, and he's talking about they were having all kinds of uh, issues in their church or disputes. He's like, since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? You're about to judge the world. You can't figure out how to work that, something out with another brother. Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So we will rule and reign with Christ 
in the kingdom of God. And uh, that was God's design from the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? He says, I want you to go out, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, cultivate the earth, all that kind of stuff. Sin destroyed that plan. Of course, God knew that was going to happen. Jesus makes it possible again by his blood. We become new identities, sons and daughters of, of God. We have an inheritance. And let me just tell you, God's ultimate plan, one day he will physically return. As physical as you and me, as real as you and me, he will return back to Israel. The whole world will see it. I don't know. Maybe we'll be watching it on our phones. I don't know how it's going to work out. But we're going to see him come back and set up a physical kingdom on this earth. That's what the Bible tells us. We should get excited about this. And you know who's going to reign with them? We are. So let me ask you a question, going back to our eternal purpose. What does a kingdom have? A kingdom has cities. What do cities need? Gifts, administrators, craftsmen, Artists, musicians, writers, architects, thinkers, doers, builders, athletes, you name it. It's all needed in the new kingdom. Think about that for a second. The Garden of Eden was actually God's shadow, was a shadow of things to come. Work wasn't created when Adam sinned. We sometimes think that, well, when he sinned, work got no, work became harder. Work was a part of the, of the original creation. Work was a part of the perfect, perfect light in Eden. It just became harder. So you got to think about when God put you a purpose in you, when you were being formed, what's the book we, or the Bible, or Psalms that we just read, when he was putting your gifts in you, personality in you, he was not just thinking about your few years here on the earth. He was thinking about eternity and how I'm going to use that gift in eternity. He's, when he's forming, I'm pointing over here because she's not here. I need my sidekick. When he's forming little JJ, not his real name, but I don't know what we're going to do with this name. Poor kid. Oh, But when he's forming little JJ, literally God is putting in him everything he needs for this earth and for eternity to work, to put a job together. When he put an administrative gift in someone, he, when, he, when they're born, he put this administrative gift in somebody. He is literally seeing what they will use that gift. If, they, if they're a believer, they will use that gift here on the earth. And he's also thinking how that gift is going to be used a million years from now to administrate a kingdom. That should make you go. It's amazing. It should give us comfort. It should give us peace. Man, God's got this thing worked out. Why are we worried about it? I think, too, when we die, we sometimes feel like maybe we just kind of like we have this life here on the earth, and then we just have this new life there. Actually, when we die, we literally just step into a new realm and keep doing the purpose that we already had here on the earth. I mean, that's really exciting. I've heard uh, people, I was just listening to Kat Kerr, who she's, she's a little crazy prophetic lady, but 
She's gone to heaven many, many times. She, was, she, she said, I heard her say something. This wasn't my notes, but she said something. She said, if you're a baker, you're going to bake in heaven. And you're going to have supernatural tools to help you actually bake. She's seen this with her own eyes. You're going to have supernatural tools to bake. And it's all going to be free. And people are going to be coming over to your house to get free uh, muffins and brownies from you because you're a good baker. You're going to keep doing that in heaven. Jesus was actually the first fruits. He ate food. He had honey. (laughs) So um, a couple weeks ago, I began talking about the kingdom of God and uh, something that Jesus talked about more than anything else. Uh, And so the kingdom of God is simply this. God's rule and reign through God's people into God's place. Let me say it again. God's rule and reign through God's people into God's place. Meaning everywhere we go in life as a believer, we are taking the kingdom of God with us and we are enforcing the rules and the ways of the kingdom of God into the earth. I mean, what does that look like? I mean, it looks like when everybody else is running around and they're crazy right now, Man, I was on the road the other day, and I'm not joking. I, I was two seconds. I had two seconds the light had turned. All right, I was talking to Sarah, and all of a sudden I got this guy just honking his horn. I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm sorry. Well, we turn, and we go, and he, it's on Country Club, and he goes around me. You're not supposed to go around me. It's a single yellow line, but he's breaking the law anyway. He goes around me, and he gets to the light here at uh, Bethany, and it turns red, before he can get up to the light. And now he's stuck. He's in front of me. Now he's stuck at the light. And let me just tell you what he... I've never seen any... I mean, I'm laughing. I'm like, dude, serves you right. He starts throwing it, flailing his arms out at me in the car. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, dude, settle down. I'm thinking, dude, you need to get on some kingdom time, man. You are out of it. Everybody's running around anxious. And they look at you and say, why are you not worried about stuff? And you say, well, because I got the peace of God in my heart. And he said, you, and you can say, you know what? You can have the peace of God in your heart too. Surrender to your life to Jesus. Ask his spirit to come into you, make you a brand new person, and the peace of God will come into you. And you know what just happened? You've enforced the kingdom of God into somebody else, and now they have the, the, the peace of God, and they have the kingdom of God reigning and ruling in them. Matthew 6 says this. Our Father, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know there is a will in heaven. There is a purpose in heaven, but you know it doesn't always happen. It always doesn't get accomplished. Why? Because he gave the keys to the church and says, you enforce it. You enforce it. Pray. Find out what, what, it, what my will is. Take authority and enforce it. That becomes literally our new purpose, our, the kingdom of, uh, agenda. When we pray for the sick, what are we doing? We are praying for the sick. We are saying, God, they're sick here on the earth, but they're not sick in heaven. And so I just take, I just enforce the rules and the reins of heaven into this situation. God's rule through God's people into God's place. I declare this God, this place right now, this person's body is now the kingdom of God. And, and right now in this place, this person's body, there's no uh, sickness in heaven, so there's no sickness here. We are enforcing that in the name of Jesus. 
And I love this. Matthew 16 says, I, uh, I say to you, Peter, upon this rock is another. Ch- I, I'm like, man, I'm, I've quoted these verses so many times. But it says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And he's talking to the church. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, I love this translation in the New American Standard because this is really what the, what the Greek is saying. Listen to this. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Meaning, <clears throat> whatever you're doing was already the will of heaven and you are just enforcing it. That's what this verse says. And this is really important because it's not our authority that we're walking in. We're walking in Christ's authority on loan to us. And the reason that's important we understand is if it's not his will to do something, it ain't happening. And this is where we get really messed up sometimes when we're, when we're asking the Lord for stuff. We don't ask what his will is. Lord, give me a Tesla. Give me a Tesla. I want the real fast one, too. The, the one that, that, Lord, give it to me. In the name of Jesus, name it and claim it. And God says, well, that's not my will in heaven. It ain't happening. And then you get, you're like, well, I prayed for it, and God didn't answer it. Well, because you didn't find out what his will is. So that's the whole part of this thing. But let me tell you, if it is his will, you better believe he's going to do it, and you have the authority, and you're going to see supernatural power when you get in alignment with his will. Let me just say this. The life of a believer should never be boring. It should be full of adventure. He's put all this stuff in you. He's put gifts. He's put experiences. He's put you in the right place, in the right home. Even when you think, oh, man, I, I didn't have a great family life. You know what? I'm not saying that he put you there on purpose because there's sin involved in all that stuff. But I'm, what I'm saying is he knows where you're at. He's put you in those, giving those influences, those resources, the personality. He's put you in the right place at the right time. He's given you everything You need to fulfill his will here on the earth, your purpose here on the earth. You just have to step into it by faith. And some believers are so frustrated, they're so bored, and they're distracted because they never really step into the kingdom life. They are saved, they know Jesus, but they never walk into the kingdom life and start operating in his purpose and seeing supernatural things happen in their life because they're like, well, I'm saved, that's all I need to do. You've got to seek God on this stuff. Proverbs 20 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Your purpose is inside you. You've got to draw it out. You've got to seek the Lord. You've got to ask God, why am I on this earth? You know, yesterday I was at the Allen Outlets. Never go there on Saturdays. <laughs> Never go there on Saturdays. And I'm walking around, and I just, and I don't know if it was the, the Lord, or just I just happen to notice. Sometimes I notice, and I just watched people, and I, it was crazy. It's like everybody was on their phones, but people were running into each other doing this, like this, and all over. And I and I'm sitting there going, "We're like zombies. What's going on with us?" We're like zombies, and we live in society now. That literally, especially the, this next generation, I, don't, I just want to be famous. I don't care what I'm famous for. <laughs> I just want to be famous. And we've lost this whole thing. I want to have a purpose to literally change the world. It's, it's no more I just want to be famous. I want to be famous. I have a lot of money. And we are, we are, we've lost our purpose, purpose in this world. 
we're numbing out on our phones. We're numbing out on social media. We're numbing out on, and I'm preaching to the choir right here. I, I can find myself doing it too. We're numbing out on binge watching TV shows. And God's calling believers, hey, 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 you got a different life than this natural world. You have a kingdom, kingdom life that you're supposed to operate in. Let me just say this, guys, and I just felt this in my spirit. We have to be different. We are kingdom people. We have to look different than the world. And that's just, maybe it's just taking time to stop and take off our phone in the middle, or put our phone away in the middle of a a grocery store and just say, Lord, is there anybody you want me to talk to here? Is Is there anybody here? Most of the time we're not. Scores, stores, I mean, stuff with cat video. Oh, I like that cat video. I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but I'm just saying the kingdom of God is about people. And so God, you look at Jesus, how many times did he stop what he's doing? And his disciples are like, we got to be going. He's like, no, no, no. I'm on kingdom time, and the kingdom time finds people and sees people, and we have to be different. That is the only way we're going to see things change. We've got to be about people, and the only way to get about people is we've got to get rid of the distractions, and we've got to start looking for it. And you just have to just, you just make a determination. I will walk in the kingdom life. And the kingdom of life is about people. And so, Lord, I'm going out today. I'm walking out. And everywhere I walk, Lord, I'm really expecting for you to bring divine encounters with me, to me, so that I can see you do something supernatural. So I want to just finish here. Well, let me, let me just do this one little, little thing. I, I, I want to read this one. I was reading the book of Esther this week. It's a great book. If you haven't read the book of Esther, go read it. I read it like three times this week. I, I came in the house laughing about the whole Haman story, and I just like him walking in humiliated. I'm just like, oh, oh, that's funny. Sorry. I just got so much joy out of it. But uh, God just sticking it to the man, you know. I just loved it. And... Uh, but just in case, I, I, I didn't have time to go through the whole thing, but I just want to just I want to share a verse. You guys all know the verse for such a time as this. But in case you don't know, we just need to give the background of this. Esther is a young, beautiful Jewish woman who gets through some crazy, crazy God circumstances, becomes the queen of Persia, which is Persia is at this time the largest, greatest empire in the world. Jewish girl, she's adopted because her parents died. She's, she's from, uh, from uh, you know, Israel, and she's uh, been pulled out of there because of the Babylonians, and then Babylonians took, or the Medes and Persians overcame the Babylonians. So she's been uh, you know, cast away. And she marries King Xerxes. King Xerxes. You know, I was thinking about that. I'm trying to find a name for my kid. <laughs> just hit me. That could be a really good name, Xerxes. I, I could even, is, it, it starts with an X, so you could just call him X for short, man. I don't think she's going to feel that one. <laughs> I saw her out there, but so she's, she's, she can hear me. Um, anyway, she marries King Xerxes. He's a godless man. This is a pagan, pagan country. And God puts her in the position, probably one of the greatest positions in the world at that time. She becomes queen, and during that time, 
as she's coming queen, this uh, Xerxes second in command, Haman, devises a plan and forces a decree that all the Jews in the empire, he, he basically manipulates King Xerxes to, to listen to, to his thing to, and, and manipulates him and says, I'm going to de- set a decree that all the Jews in the entire land are going to be annihilated on March 7th is what the, the date they have. March 7th, which is about 11 months from this point, all the, king, all the, the Jews in the entire land are going to be killed. Well, Esther's adopted father, Mordecai, he had instructed her not to tell about her Jewish heritage, okay, because there must have been some anti-Semitism already going on. And so she said, he said, don't, t- don't, tell, her, t- don't tell anybody. So nobody knows Jewish or that uh, Esther is Jewish. But Mordecai finds out that this decree has been put forth and he goes out into the city streets and he's wailing and he's crying, a sad clock and and ashes. And so Esther sends somebody out, a guy by the name of Hathish, to talk to him and say, what's going on? Why are you so up? She didn't know anything about it. And he says, he says Esther, you're, our entire people, are, are, they're, they're going to be killed and annihilated. You've got to do something. You're the queen. And Esther kind of responds like, well, that's above my pay grade. I can't do anything about it at first. That's what, really what she says. And so she's communicating to her Father, adopted father, through this guy named Hathich. I don't know how to say that. Um, but let me, we're going to pick up the story right there and going to read it real quick. So then Mordecai told this guy the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathich a copy of the decree issued in Susa, which is where they lived, that called for the death of all Jews. He he asked Hathich to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathich to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for the people. Hathich returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. And so then Esther responds. He told Hathich to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king hasn't called me for, for to come for 30 days. So, so there must have been some kind of tradition or rule. You couldn't just walk into the king's, even, even the queen. So Hathach gave this message to Esther, or to Mordecai. Esther's in a tor- tough place here. She's got to risk her entire life, possibly, and it may not even work. And so then Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, and this is one of the most famous verses, I think, in the Bible. He said, don't you think, don't think for a moment that because you're in this palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Isn't that an amazing piece of scripture? Well, they call a three-day fast. Esther goes before the king. The entire plan backfires on Haman, and he actually gets impaled on a 75-foot pole. Ouch. And he had put that up for Mordecai, and God has a sense of humor and says, no, 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 I'm going to put that back on you. The Jews are saved. Mordecai becomes second in command, but here's the point. I think Mordecai was saying this, and he's saying this to us today. Don't think for a moment you're going to escape this. God will find a way to save us, but you'll miss out on being the one to save. 
Who knows? He's saying, maybe everything we've been through together, Esther, the tough times, maybe losing your parents, me adopting you, living here in this pagan land in a foreign place far from our family, maybe all of that was for this moment right here. God providentially did that. And he's saying, will you step out in faith, Esther? Will you step out in faith? God wants to use this moment. Don't waste what he's given you. She couldn't control all the circumstances. She got there. It's basically a beauty pageant, how she got there. And she was forced into it. She couldn't control it. But when the time presented, she chose the step to step into the kingdom of God purpose for her life. And I just want to say this. We all have the same opportunities. It might not be to save an entire nation, but it's to be a witness for Christ. It's to see someone healed, restored, delivered, or saved. It's to impact a child's life. It's to do whatever God's put in our heart and, and given us to meet the need in, kingdom, in the kingdom of God. And I think there are moments that are bigger than others. But really, if you think about it, Esther had many moments to get to the big moment. And she kept saying yes and yes and yes, and God gave her favor and favor and favor. You know, for me, I think a moment like that was stepping into this church three years ago. I mean, I've had a lot of moments before that, but stepping into this church three years ago, the the elders look at me and they're like, well, the church is in trouble. (laughs) You can be the one to get us out of this mess or we'll go find somebody else. But you're going to miss out on the joy that comes from stepping into your kingdom of God purpose. I'm just telling you, you weren't given that influence for people because you're just good at what you do. God put you there. You weren't given all the financial blessing that some of you have, some more than others. You were not given that just so that you can live a high life. You were given it to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You were not given the talent and the skills that other people marvel at so that people can just look at you You were given that so others would look at him. You were given all this for the work of the kingdom of God, and I'm just asking us as a church to be thinking about that, and we've got to step into that purpose. We've got to step into it. I want to call up Shauna. Shauna, I didn't give you a lot of time, but we'll we'll make it fun, right? Come on up, Shauna. Let's give it up for Shauna Chafin. Yeah. We'll be all right. We'll just, we'll just take it. I wanted to ask Shauna to come up here because she has been helping lots of people, including me, talk through our purpose. Uh, and she just has a gift for that. She sees things. She, and uh, um, yeah, why don't you tell your story a little bit so we can hear that, and then we'll go. We'll ask some questions. Yeah. So um, I was going to be a missionary. Um, my uh, husband and I, he was finishing up DTS, and we were going to go and save the world, and I got pregnant and super excited that we were going to be able to do that as a family, and then he died of a massive heart attack in our bedroom while I was six months pregnant with my oldest, and I really was a uh, little disillusioned by that. Um, I really knew that God had called me to missions, but I was really struggling with, okay, what now? 
Um, at that time, I didn't really have a firm understanding of calling and, and purpose and those things. Um, and God just kept that fire in my heart for, for the nations and for people who were lost. And so I kept walking that out. But um, I had moments of being bitter about that, to be honest, because I'm like, all right, what now? Um, and I did go overseas and do some work. I took, um, strapped my oldest to my back, and we went to Lebanon and to China and some other places. Wow. Um, but I kept trying to deploy and, like, go full time. And God kept slamming that door shut, slamming the door shut. And so I found myself in a, a role at a missions organization, and my job was to recruit, train, hire deploy missionaries, and then when they started falling apart, which a lot of missionaries do because they're in the trenches, it was my job to kind of help pick up those pieces and get them resources and and help them along. Um, And so as I'm watching these people deploy and and do my calling, um, I just, I got a little bit bitter. I got really frustrated. Um, I um, kept that process going, and then um, I met my husband, Chance. And um, we got married, and here I am. I'm helping all these missionaries go do my dream job, and we would have these dinners where I would be bawling, like, I'm supposed to be overseas. I'm supposed to be a missionary. He went and um, got a job in Riyadh, got a job offer, and we were going to deploy over there, and we just prayed about it, and it just wasn't right. And um, I started realizing that my calling is um, to love God and love others. God's real clear about what that is. That's my, that's my primary calling, and that's everyone in this room's primary calling. I got a row of some of my favorite students in the back. There's some incredible boys back there, and that's their calling. And God designed each one of them and me and you differently uh, with purpose. So that's where our secondary uh, part of our calling comes in, and that's the unique you. It's the part of you that uh, God designed. There's a blueprint for everyone in this room, and he mapped that out before you were even placed in your mother's womb. And I love that Jeremiah talks about that. You were set apart for purpose. Um, And so as I walked that out, I remember sending a missionary to my country, Lebanon, where I was supposed to go. And, um, and And it just hit me. My calling is to love God and love others. That's her calling. But the unique way that God designed me is to come alongside of other people and help them determine their calling and then help them be freed up to go do that thing. And it really brought me a lot of peace. My husband was super thankful for that season because I quit harping on him about (laughs) going to the Middle East. Um, We had a funny conversation last night, and i got to tell this. Uh, We were talking about... um, you know, gifts, spiritual gifts. And so mine is prophecy and mercy and teaching and things like that. And and so he was kind of wrestling with his. And I said, it's so obvious to me. He has the gift of administration. He's a VP of finance. And he just, uh, man, he just likes order and he brings order. And I'm more like a tornado and I'm going all over the place doing things, meeting people. And, um, and God did that. And he was joking because he said, you know, I want to be a prophet. I don't, I don't want to be like uh, Fred the comptroller or Sue the HR director. <laughs> and it's just so funny, though, because I, um, so much of the way that God designed him, the gift that God gave him and bringing that together with me, uh, the way we've been able to walk that out 
Um, we need each other. Every gift in here is valuable. Again, back to the boys. I just love that God brought them here. These boys in this back row, I'm calling them out. They couldn't be more different. They are extraordinary. Every one of them. I've taught every one of those boys uh, biblical worldview. And I, I just look at them as an example, um, just their gifting. Um, you know, Sweet Kaiser, like the papers that he would write were just so deep. Um, and he has such a heart for God. And, um, and so that's, that's true for me. That's true for you. It's true for my husband. Um, we've got this extraordinary gift that God placed inside of you. And Jeff asked me the question, well, okay, so how do you figure that out? Does everybody have that? Well, you know, how do you, how do you unpack that? Well, you're going to see patterns in your life from the time you were a little kid on the playground. Man, I think of my little Judah, um, he is just like Conan, and he is going and blowing, and there's just little patterns in him, but when someone gets hurt, and it might have been him that knocked him over, I'll be honest, uh, by accident, um, he's just got such empathy and compassion, and that was like early, early on, I saw that part of him that God placed in him, and he just comes along side of his little friends, and even me, or his dad, and he just um, loves us. He's got that mercy ingrained inside of him. Um, and then, you know, it's it's loving God, loving others, right? So we're, I explain this to my, I teach uh, a worldview class at DBU, and sometimes the kids are really struggling with, all right, I've got this degree, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling, I don't love accounting, it's it's boring me, and then you got this other kid that's like, man, I, I thought I was supposed to be a teacher, but I think I'm supposed to be an accountant. Um, you're going to, it's going to put the wind in your cells when you do that thing that the God of the universe designed you to do. And you were doing that in kindergarten. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's something that you're going to see that pattern in your life. So do you want to expound upon that? I just, we had, I wrote some questions out here, out here, but how do you know you're in your sweet spot and how do you know you're not in your sweet spot of really walking in your purpose? Yeah. So I really think when you're walking in your sweet spot, you are going to have um, the wind in your sails. You're, you're going to be doing that thing, and it's, it's a little bit easier for you to do it. It's very natural. And when you're not, you're going to feel that restlessness. You know, you're going to be fighting against it. It was like me just, you know, I'm to the mission field or die, but there was a restlessness in me, right? Well, God brought the nations to me. And he brought missionaries to me and people that he wanted me to come alongside of. And so when I was doing that, that's where the peace came from. So part of it is peace. Part of it is there are people that have spoken a word over you um, throughout your life. Um, people will say that thing to you. Oh, you're so smart. You do this. Or you, you're so good at organizing. You're so good at sharing the gospel. You're going to have seen um, or have experiences where people have spoken that truth over you. Because it just it oozes out of you because God put it in there. Um, so what, what steps can I take? So there's people in here, I'm sure, um, I've talked to that. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. How do you go about finding that out? I mean, I know you said things that, you know, that get you, put your wind in your Mm -hmm. sails, but sometimes even that is like kind of a little Mm -hmm. bit tricky. How, How would you say, 
let's help you find, if you're sitting with somebody, how do you, how do I, what are the steps I need to take to start looking and find out what that is? So God wants you to find this. He's, he's not trying to trick you or it's not supposed to be a mystery. You need to pray and ask your heavenly father what he has for you. You need to be in community with other believers because they're going to speak that over you. Um, and the very best way is to serve. Um, go on a mission trip, and I don't know what it is about that. I guess you're uninhibited, and so you can do things that you could have just as easily done here. Um, but get into your church and serve God. You're going to figure out that, man, I love greeting. I love working with the kids. Um, you know, God's given me a word for a person. Um, you're going to share the gospel with people. By serving and doing, it's going to become very evident to you what God has for you. So some people think it's kind of like a mystery, like it's just this outward thing. Like I don't know, like you, you know, I talk to people who are doing walking in their purpose, and then they're asking, "I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life." You know, um, so you, it's not a mystery. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't. I mean, there are things. Obviously, it's not all going to happen at 21. I'm in my full purpose, but but there, there you should be able to working steps towards that. So it's not a mystery at all. Uh, totally. So I'm a good example of that. I was doing really living out my calling by equipping these missionaries and, and guiding them and counseling them, um, speaking truth over them, encouraging them, influencing them. But I had sin in my life because I had elevated some gifts over the other. I had in my mind, my plan for my life was we were going to go share the gospel with Muslims. And I had these pictures in my head of me being in the park and just loving them well. Well, I do that now in Richardson. Um, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so when God removed those, he allowed me to see and remove those blinders from my eyes because it was my sin, right? Um, I didn't have a full understanding of that. Then I was able to just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm in it. I'm doing it. And the joy came. Sometimes we're just believing um, one of those lies. I spent a lot of time in my counseling office listening for lies. I just let people talk and I'm writing lie number one, lie number two. All right. Then what are we going to do? Then we want to put truth right next to that lie so that we can walk in greater freedom. So what would that look like? Well, so we're gonna, you're going to pray. You need to be in community. If you're not in community, it is going to be really hard. Uh, one of the things that I did is I had elevated um, uh, ministry and made it an idol in my life. So I was so busy doing Jesus' work that I wasn't doing Jesus. And if you're doing that, it's going to be real hard for you to figure this out. You need to be humble in community with people. You need to go to a trusted person, somebody at this church, um, somebody that knows Christ, and ask them to pray with you and to help you unpack that. Um, you need to serve and find out what it is that you're good at. See, you're going to enjoy the things that God has designed you to do. It's going to be very natural for you to do it, and you'll see those patterns. Um, And then you just have to trust him that, um, you know, another thing that blocks that, though, is when we, we have a lot of hurts, we've got wounds in our life, sin issues, we're walking in the fruits of the flesh instead of the fruits of the Spirit, it's going to be a little bit harder for us to feel that. But again, God's just waiting for you. We're image bearers of the Most High. That means you've got attributes of God inside of you that he wants you to shine out because people are going to see that and they're going to see, you know, with my husband, gift of administration, he brings order to things. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. 
And so, so he brings that. My husband's real in tune to nature. He does all of these cool things, you know, teaching kids how to start a fire and, and be out in nature and see God's creation. That brings, um, that brings God's peace. People are drawn in. People who aren't close to God, they get out in nature. They get with, with someone like my husband, and, and they start to feel God's presence, and they start to go, hey, I, this, there's something here for me. God just spoke to me through this retreat. Um, you know, for me, i got to be moving. God speaks to me while I'm moving. Um, I used to run and, and jog, and, and God would just give me a word during that time and, and help me understand what he has for me. All right, just a couple more. Um, what advice would you give a high school or a young adult just trying to find their purpose in life? What would you say to them? Mm-hmm. You need to get with mentors. You need to get with older, wiser, godly counsel. You need to talk to people, share your heart, um, ask people how they see, you know, one of the uh, exercises I do with uh, college kids that are struggling with this, because I see freshmen and then I get seniors. And um, they just really need to sit down with the people that love them the most and say, hey, mom, dad, like what pattern have you seen in me my whole life? Or wife, husband, what do you see in me? Um, and let them speak that over you and be open to that. Be humble. Um, and, and really just um, walk that out. By serving, go and serve on a short-term trip. I, I think it's there's just a neat thing there because it just makes us, you know, kind of uninhibited. And then bring that back to your church and start serving there, and God's going to start to reveal it to it. I think of Grace. Where's Grace? She was over there. Uh, Grace is a great example of this. Um, she knew that God had given her some giftings in um, in music and worship, and so as she walked that out, then there's there have been more things that have been unpacked for her. Um, that God has for her. And she's still walking that out. We don't know if she's going to be a music leader one day, if she's going to go overseas and be a missionary and lead worship. Um, God's going to reveal that to her in time by being faithful to him in the small things, and he's going to reveal it to her. Yeah, I've seen, um, especially high school and young adult students, waiting around for the big opportunity, and then there's a serving opportunity literally right in front of them, but it's not what they see themselves doing and then they and so so then what they do is they just wait around and wait around and and and, and it never comes and so yeah you've got to get in there all right last question um what would you say to some person who is bored with life uh, got a good job got plenty of money family life's good but they feel passionless about life what would you say to them they're they're not operating in their giftings they need to ask the Lord to, to reveal that to them, show them. It, you may need to change jobs. You may need to do something different. Um, God, that's not what God has for you. He doesn't want you to walk in that and be bored, that that restlessness. Um, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. It may be that you do stay in that job because that's what God's provided for you in that moment. And it may mean that the way that that part of you, that passion that comes out, that gifting is by you going and doing street evangelism, uh, by you going and leading a small, uh, Bible study at your work. I just, you know, have had this conversation with some people in the last several weeks. Um, if you're feeling restless, there's a reason for that. And he wants you to seek him because the answers are available. This isn't a hidden mystery. Now, the enemy's going to get in that, right? 
And so then if we start comparing ourselves to other people, then that's Satan's playground, right? Because, well, this person's over here doing this, and, and I, I want that, or I need to, my gifts aren't as important as someone else's. Um, that's where we can get tripped up, because you need to keep your eyes straight on the Lord, be walking towards Him while you love Him and love others, and then you use those unique gifts that you have. Sort of like some of us were designed to be Ferraris. Other people are big pickup trucks, okay? And I say this to some of my DBU kids so that they can understand this. You don't send a pickup truck down the Autobahn, and you don't send a Ferrari to haul dirt. You need to do that thing which God designed you to do, and you're going to feel His pleasure. Yeah, and I think it if you can find that, it really takes the comparison that you just, you know, it's like, no, this is my lane. This is what I'm called to do. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too. I was reading recently, you know, the Bible talks about um, he gave one one talent, mm-hmm. some five and some ten. And I know it's hard, to, hard for us to recognize. Some of us are the one talents. <laughs> and some of us are the tens. Billy Graham was probably the ten. Yeah. He was the guy that was given a lot. Some of us just need to be faithful with what God's given us and know that that's right where we're supposed to be. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to talk to us. Yeah, she's been such a blessing this church. Let's stand up and we'll, we'll finish up here. I just want to say one other thing. Um, when I think about this church, I see it, when I picture it, I see it with spiritual eyes. And I see every person invested and using their gift. I I, I don't know, I could just see it in my spiritual eyes, this place, just ministry happening everywhere. Um, And it's already begun happening. You know, I, I think about some of the things that have been happening recently. This idea of the harvest, going door to door, that was not my idea. I can't take any, that was Rick and Lucy and Randy and Sharon. Not my idea. Um, the prophetic prayer and growing in the spirit or growing in the prophetic, that was not my idea. I did not, I didn't even, Joe and Dana did that. Healing the spirit on Saturdays, that was all Carolyn. You know, um, David Harper, where is he at? Dr. David, he's, he's wanting to start a group for, for artists uh, who are interested in painting and, and drawing and any kind of artist. She wants to start a group to, to display the kingdom of God through that. Think about Norm and Tim Smith, Norm Burton, Tim Smith doing the, the apologetics class. I didn't come up with that. Um, the church has a job, and that's to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's just what we're called to do. We're called to, we're called to be facilitators. I'm just encouraging to go for it. I mean, within reason, I know I talked to James. James wanted to, he said, I want to minister the golfers. And he says, let's build a nine-hole course in the back there. So and I said, James, let me think about it. It's kind of expensive. Within reason. But you know what? I'm, I'm joking. Um, I'm joking. But seriously, the call for every one of you is to take what God's given you and use it for kingdom purposes. And a great place to start is right here. Start ministering to the body, and out of that will come opportunities to minister to the world. And so I just want to pray for you. And um, let's, just, let's just close our eyes real quick. Oh, we're almost done here. So I 
just want to pray. Does anybody in this room, heads bowed, eyes closed, nothing spiritual about that other than just allowing you to, to just get in your own thoughts. And um, Is there anybody in this room who just says, I'm really, I hear what you're saying, Jeff. I hear what Sean is saying, but I just, I really am struggling to find out what my purpose and calling in life is. Does anybody just raise their hand and say, that's me, that's me. That's me. All right. I, well, I want to pray for you real quick. So, Lord, I pray for every hand raised right now, Father. And I pray for a revolution, a, 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 a revelation download to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. Come on, everybody pray for those who raise their hand. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus, a, a, just a download, God. Tonight, Lord, through dreams. Tonight, Lord, through, uh, through prophetic words, God, through your word, God, whatever way you want to do it. But Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you would reveal to them, Lord, those giftings, those callings inside them, Father. Lord, you want everybody to walk in that. You want everybody to walk in the in that Lord and I just pray reveal that to them in the name of Jesus I just believe the Lord's going to give you a dream he's going to give you a prophetic word he's going to give you something you're going to begin there's going to be a word in the in the as you're reading God's word just something's going to pop out at you and you're going to say that that's that that's it I got to start working on that one other one other thing I want to throw out is it just we'll keep our heads bowed for just a second is there anybody in here that just says I really know what I'm supposed to do but I'm really struggling with stepping out in it. Anybody want to raise their hand? I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm really struggling how to step out in this. Yeah, yeah. How do I step out in this, Lord? What what do you want me to do? Amen. So, Lord, I pray for them, God. And I pray, Father, you give them strategies from heaven, Lord. I think about what you gave Moses. He said, when Moses went up to the, the mountain of God, you gave him all the strategies of how to move forward. He says, make everything just like I gave it to you on the mountain. The mountain of God represents the presence of God, represents the, the meeting place with God. And the Lord is just saying, if you will spend time just and really just put, put away the prayer list and say, Lord, here's what I want, Lord. I want to know what you want me to do. How do I move forward in this purpose? And just spend, I just hear the Lord just say, spend a week, and that's the only prayer you pray. Read his Bible, read the word, and just ask the Lord. I just, Lord, I'm going to wait for you to speak purpose. Give me what I'm supposed to do. How do I step forward in this? How do I be kingdom-minded? And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room, God. And I pray for the kingdom of God. Lord, to be real in their lives this week. And Lord, and I pray every person step out into that calling. They step into the kingdom purpose. Lord, I just see you guys, some of you in grocery stores or talking to your mechanic, talking to your landscape guy, and God's just going to say, now's the time. Step into the kingdom. Now's the time. You step into the kingdom. You begin asking them. You begin prodding them. You begin saying, hey, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Let me, let me tell you how, what, what God did in my life. There's going to be opportunities this week if you'll listen for it, if you'll look for it, if you'll be open to it. And so, Lord, we pray, give us those opportunities, Father. Open our eyes to see the kingdom work right in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen.